This is the Amstaff podcast, a podcast about eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, and mental health. I'm your host, Queenie June Borgman, and in today's episode, the final episode of season three, episode 20, we talk about plastic surgery, extreme hair, crazy makeup, and tattoos. So guys, this is the last episode of this season. It's season 3, episode 20. There will still be two sub-episodes that are actually interval episodes for this year. And next year I will be starting out with some interviews. This episode is actually highly painful for me. And the reason why is is that my dog died uh, three days ago on the 11th of December. And it was a very strange week. Um, I was in a hotel for a week long because my sister couldn't come from America to the Netherlands. So Expedia wouldn't, um, you know, book the room for another time of the year for next year. So I was in a hotel with a friend of my, uh, with my roommate and with my mom. And it was um, fun, uh, but also very strange because I just moved out to my own place. And then the day that I needed to go away there, I had my normal day, but I just wasn't feeling myself. I was even that careless that we have, you know, breakfast in the morning at at that hotel. I was like, fuck it, you know, I'm just going to sit there in my PJs and eat. And when I came back into the hotel room, I wanted to record this episode about plastic surgery, extreme hair, crazy makeup and tattoos. And I couldn't because... I was feeling bad, I was feeling low, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. And I'm normally very productive, specifically on Saturdays, because I do my dietitian stuff, you know. But I couldn't. So I even checked out in my PJs. I went to home, and there was my mom, the puppy that we now have, and my big dog. And my mom didn't want to work either, while she's always very keen on working. And my big dog, already two days that I came there, he put his little paw around my hand and he normally, you know, doesn't do that at all. So I knew something was up and I could feel the day before that he would maybe die. And first thing around, he didn't die, although my mom screamed downstairs that I think he died. And second time around, we all fell asleep and I was actually was in and out of bed the whole day. I just wasn't doing anything because I wasn't feeling well. And the second time when we all went to sleep, so the big dog, the puppy, me and my mom, um, we woke up and he wasn't there anymore. It's very strange. I've had him for over 16 years and he has been a big part of me having, you know, gotten an eating disorder, but also my recovery part. And I always could have my dogs as a sort from... Um, reference point on how it was going with me if I wouldn't feel anything towards them it was because I was emotionless because of my disease and the moment that that emotion came back again it's because it went better with me and I had more space and freedom in my mind for them so he has been there with a lot of stuff that happened in my life I have had him since I was 11 years old and I'm almost 27 now so it's very painful and that's why this episode is a memorial of him. Um, I'm probably not ever going to get a dog ever again because uh, when you have had a dog that is so good to you and so I am I am not a big fan of the word perfection, but I would say so perfect. It's very hard for other dogs to um, 
get near that. So for me, this is, I think, the end of the chapter of having dogs. All my three dogs passed away that I grew up with. And in a very short period of time, two dogs died from the three dogs this year. So this isn't my favorite year by all means. But I'm just happy he went quickly. He went natural. I found it very important. I don't like to let dogs, you know, put to sleep. So um, I'm very grateful for that and that he died with the people that he actually loved the most. So that is that. And let's start this episode. Before I start this episode out, I just wanted to say that everything that you see in the title is something that I've done and what I've seen with a lot of my clients. They maybe not have done it all. Some of them did or have done partially, but I've had plastic surgery. I've had crazy hair. I've had extreme makeup or how you would like to say it, extreme hair, crazy makeup. And I have tattoos and they've all been a part of me during my eating disorder. And actually the part of plastic surgery was the part after my eating disorder. And I'm going to tell you why I did that. But know that I'm not going to shame you. And for if you're doing these things, because they're a very normal part of recovery or that you maybe feel the need to do plastic surgery isn't something you should be ashamed of. You should only be um willing to explain to yourself and not to others it's not for other people to judge they don't know what you're going through or haven't known how long you've been thinking about doing something uh, adjusting something to yourself it is though very important in which way in which manner you address yourself when you want to adjust something but i will say that later on in this podcast episode just know that i've had all of them um i don't talk about it that often but uh, I don't regret it and I hope you won't regret it as well and don't let people judge you on doing that because um, in my personal opinion buying even skin creams is a way of you know it's a way of uh, self-care I believe that things like Botox also is a form of self-care it is just it's just not a normal thing for the general public and the moment it becomes a normal thing for everyone then it's normal so don't ever seek out normal for other people it's just the biggest bullshit how more people do it how more normal normal something becomes but it doesn't mean that the act of it is normal or the other way around for example a lot of people smoke but it's not normal for the body to get so much smoke in and digest that you know the lungs but because we do, a lot of people do it, it becomes normal. So it doesn't mean that if you do have plastic surgery or have tattoos and a big part of society doesn't do it, that it isn't normal. But that's my personal opinion and personal take on that. I just wanted to put that out there and now let's start the episode. All of the things that I just listed in the titles episode is something that I see in practice, in daily life with all of my clients. I've had it myself. I think I would like to start out with the crazy, or no, the the extreme hair. Uh, I don't believe in extreme hair, but for people that cannot handle people that do not have black hair, uh, brown hair, um, red hair, or blonde hair, and think pink hair, or a different type of cutting that is not general, is extreme, just for the sake of them, let us call it extreme hair. 
Um, I think if we can translate it for the general public, you see a lot of females that maybe, you know, start a new beginning, they break up, or even males that break up, and they just go to the hairdresser and say, I want something different, I want a new me. But that part is their mental health speaking. And we as people with an eating disorder do that as well. As in, I want a new me, I want to start over, I don't want to binge anymore, so that's why I change up my hair. Or I don't want people to be that focused on my body or on my you know, specific places, so if I can distract them with hair with a lot of different colors, I will be known for that and not for my fluctuations in my body weight. That is a way how we cope with the eating disorder that is also a way of coping. So this is a coping on coping, if you can follow me. So our eating disorder is a way of coping. And at some point we need to learn how to deal with the eating disorder. And then we cope on a different way. And that is often how I see that in practice in front of me with people that have an eating disorder. And I can highly, highly add myself to that list, maybe even on top of that list, because I would have new hair every 10 to 12 weeks with extreme different patterns, colors. I wouldn't cut it off, but I would do a lot to make it different. And it helped my emotional health so much to be somewhat distracted of the eating disorder, but also have that uniqueness, what I always try to achieve in my style and also distract people from how I was starting to look because it was always different. I always look different. And I must say when it comes down to developing an identity, having a certain extreme hair for a longer period of time for the public around you can form your identity towards them but it can also be very fucked up for yourself if you change your hair a lot of times because you cannot identify the person in the mirror at least i had that a lot of times that i would look at photos and would be like who the f is this i don't recognize you you don't you look different in form you know in, in weight fluctuations but also with the hair so it can be either very beneficial or not beneficial if you our person and specifically in high school when I see that a lot as well that needs to have a certain identity in that jail type of setting because I really believe high school is a I would almost say allowed jail by the government um, then it's very good to have a certain identity because people you can differentiate yourself in the big group and find your own group but when it comes down to your eating disorder it is a coping for a coping. If you look at the tattoos, I think tattoos are a very beautiful way to tell somebody's history on their body, um, what they went through. And for me as well, it's the same. I have a tattoo on my left wrist that says, no worries work for it. And the no worries always came from the dietitian that told me that I shouldn't be worrying. And I was always like, you know, no, I need to work for it. Otherwise I will keep staying worried because if I don't do something about it everything will stay the same and I still highly believe in that and still actually preach that to clients of course you know everything eventually is going to be okay but it's really going to be okay if you invest in it and these tattoos I think again are very beautiful ways to describe what happened in your life and even if a tattoo reference something to something negative for me the tattoo on my left wrist is something negative it doesn't need to 
per se say that over a few year, years you still have a negative feeling towards it. Even when I put it on my left wrist, I still didn't at that time had a negative feeling and nowadays not at all. Um, again, I think tattoos are a very healthy way of describing your history on your body. However, I must say, um, if something happens that makes you unstable in your life and you're always running to tattoos, then you need to wonder yourself if it's not more of a coping than it is of you wanting to have bits and pieces of important you know, uh, moments of your life. There's a big difference in that. I've had that actually myself a little bit in September. Normally, I, I only have two tattoos and I have one in my back of my neck. It's called Duca and it's called basically Life is Suffering. And the moment that my dog died and I got hardly rejected by a guy I felt that when my friends were getting piercings I was like well you know fuck it let's get a tattoo but it wasn't well thought through it wasn't it it came out of pain let me say it that way and I'm very happy that I didn't do it because actually I didn't want anything at you know what's happening now on my body so if you have that what I had that unstable moment and you have it often and you translate it to getting tattoos then it's something you need to zoom in on more. And I'm not saying that you always should overthink tattoos for 500 years, but I am saying that if you see a pattern of you feeling bad and then taking a tattoo, that's something you should zoom in on. But if that is not a part of your specific situation, then I think tattoos are a very nice way to write history in your uh, and keep it very close to yourself. Then it's the other part, then it's the crazy makeup, right? Or the heavy makeup, I should actually have said. Um, makeup is such a specific tool for females and males. We can really reconstruct our face in that way that people even get trust issues if they see you without makeup. But makeup you know as it says it it covers up as well so for us it really specifically people with an eating disorder can cover up how we feel maybe what we have done to ourselves cutting uh you know the self-harm it has a very functional place in an eating disorder it can um hide that we have cried because we put a shit ass of foundation on our face it can mask that we are doing terrible because we've put all fun colors on our face and that's something that I often did I had the heavy makeup because I like color but I needed the color and the vibrantness and the happiness it brought because I needed that happiness and if people could you know get a glimpse of that of course I'm happy for you, you could but at the end of the day I needed that to survive to the next day and with makeup, it, it helped a lot. It also helped me find the confidence back again in myself when it came down to uh, feeling beautiful, actually, because of, uh, of certain attention. And it's very shitty to say it that way, but it is, uh, has a specific truth to it. And I have had a lot of clients in front of me, and I'm lucky that I didn't have that but they are afraid to go out on the streets without makeup or you know they don't want to be seen that way because otherwise people think they're sick and they don't want to show that they're sick because you know we're always a-okay when we have an eating disorder 
So having crazy makeup or heavy makeup or how you want to call it is a way of masking for a lot of us how it's really going or to maybe in recovery phase work towards where we want to be and who we want to be and how we want to be perceived and there you know makeup is such a just such a strong tool in that um yeah and at the end of the day do i want to share my opinion about that i i really am very neutral in that i as you can see it can go a few ways either you're masking something or you're building yourself up again with makeup and you choose which path you eventually want to walk on but it's also very important for yourself to can go without you know i think that that codependency that some some people build up on having makeup is so unhealthy while i'm recording this because of all the crying that i've done throughout the days i'm not even wearing any makeup now at my work um, i'm just not in a mood for that and making that conscious decision and saying it's okay for people to see me without makeup is also a part of recovery because you don't need to show to people that's always okay or you don't need to have that fake um, perfectness that's on there and that's a part of us maybe as well that seeking perfection that is very high in people with eating disorders makeup can actually enhance that and that's a negative thing because you don't want to show perfection although you know it's very two-faced we don't we say to other people to do not you know you, you shouldn't uh drive for perfection but then again you want to show perfection for example with makeup or maybe even with plastic surgery but i'm going to jump on that later on so again makeup really has its pros and cons but it's how you self-love yourself or self-hate yourself is how you deal with makeup it's how you deal with tattoos it's how you deal with your hair and it's how you deal with plastic surgery and then there's this part of plastic surgery. Well, before I'm going to tell you what I did with myself, I just want to put a few things out there. Um, that is one. I'm very neutral when it comes down to plastic surgery. I do think it has its place with eating disorders, but I do think that you should make that conscious decision for plastic surgery when you're not in your eating disorder anymore or maybe almost at the end. Because when you have a full-blown eating disorder, Thinking straight isn't always possible. And you can go into heavy emotions and believe them fully at that moment and make decisions you could later on regret. I believe that plastic surgery can help with um, industry, would say, verwerken. So I really believe it can help with going through things. If you maybe had, when you were small, I don't know, a little spot or a big mole on your arm and people make fun of it if you have the biggest ptss with that mole looking at it and you can let it remove or tattoo over it and it's not a big issue anymore and if you look down at your arm you're not sad anymore then why wouldn't you do that for yourself of course in combination with therapy or that you've tried everything before so i believe it's a nice valuable addition to recovery but I don't think you should do it when you are in the midst of your eating disorder. Because if you're going to do that, you maybe do not know if you will still stand behind that decision after five or 10 years. And with plastic surgery, you can only remove so much or add so much. So 
keep that in mind when you make that decision. And what I would like to add to that is don't become codependent. And if you know that you have the codependentness in your system, then maybe plastic surgery isn't for you. Because being codependent in this case means that if I do not fix this or if I do not let all of this what I have on my list fixed, I will not become happy. You know, that very black and white thinking, maybe how you started to get your eating disorder in the first place. If I lose X amount of weight, then I will be happy. And guess what? It didn't happen. If you're going to project that on plastic surgery, well, one, it's going to cost you a shit ton of money. Secondly, you're still not going to get what you want to have because you're putting your happiness in the hands of a surgery uh, moment and in the hands of a surgeon and in how your body is going to shape. But your body will always shape differently in somewhat X amount of years in every phase of your life. So doing that is one of the most unrealistic patterns ever. And I just wanted to add the last thing. Perfectionism and plastic surgery do not go together. So if you cannot handle scar uh, tissue, if you cannot handle that you have talked with the surgeon about, I want a cup D and it came out as A or E, or I just know what word it is in, in, in English or C, and you cannot handle that mentally, then plastic surgery isn't for you because you never know how your body will react. When I've had procedures done, I knew that when he said to me, you know, it can be that you get scar tissue. I kept that in my mind and that's why I was far more relaxed with the results that had scar tissue than if I would have thought and thought he would say, you will have no scar tissue or I would have had filled that in. So if you cannot have a realistic view of plastic surgery and what comes with it, the pros and cons, and you want perfectionism, plastic surgery isn't for you. And then it's the part that I confess what I have done plastic surgery wise. Well, before I start that out, I want to make a little bit of a disclaimer right there. And that is that, how would I say that? that I think that plastic surgery should be something that should always be seen as something neutral. It can really add quality to life for some people and it can really fuck up quality of life from some people. So depending again in which mindset you address plastic surgery, it can either make or break you. Um, I've seen people and in my work field, not from nowadays, but back in the day in fashion, that have had facelifts, that have had Botox, filler, that have had tummy tucks, God knows, you know, the whole 10 yards. And they were happy and consented with what they'd done and were living a quality of life that they were agreeing on and they were happy with. I've seen people with four degrees of burns in front of me that had had that had had them that had plastic surgery uh, because uh, of the way you know that the skin wasn't well formed on their body and they were so happy that they could have somewhat of a normal uh, skin again and live a life they were happy with and comfortable with it's also very much perspective I hope you can see it what I'm saying here the people that had at fourth degree burn they were hoping to have a normal skin again while the people with the plastic surgery that had normal skin are seeking a next level so it's all about perspective um 
so be nice to each other when we share stuff like this i have had so many clients that have shared it and they you know nobody knows it no not their colleagues not even their parents that they've done that and i think that's because the 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 hatred towards people you know doing little bits of pe- uh, pieces of procedures is so heavy and that we always correlate procedures as something that is very you know um fake plasticky can barbie type of stuff well it isn't um that negativity should be gone because you do not give space to people to tell what it's on you know what's on their tongue what's on their sleeve what's on their heart so that is that part and i know that I'm as a healthcare giver and dietitian that I'm putting myself in a very vulnerable position here because I also influence mental health and uh, I try to give a realistic view of you know stuff that happens in front of me stuff that I um have uh, experienced what I see with my clients and what is happening at least around me and know that plastic surgery is a big part of the eating disorder community, although maybe we do not talk about it. So that is that part, and I'm going to tell you what I've done. Well, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, altering the way you look is a way of plastic surgery. Uh, Well, although you do not always need a knife, let me just keep the word plastic in it and not maybe surgery. So for me, Altering my teeth and taking braces is, for me, a form of plastic surgery or plastic. For me, dyeing my hair in another color that isn't original is, for me, a form of plastic. For me, dyeing my teeth is a form of plastic. And these are all things that I've done. Same goes for Botox. It's something that I take every three months. And I started with it because I eventually got a lot of lines because of my work, because I always am sad or frustrated or maybe crying, that I got one big line up the front of my head and I started to notice that I wasn't happy or content or giving consent to that line to to be there. Well, I do have a lot of, you know, um, I don't know how you would call it in English, but you know, the, the, the blackness under my eyes or lining under my eyes or around my mouth, but I'm totally okay with that. But that these lines that I didn't want, I have a negative association with. So once in a while, once in a three or six months, I take some Botox to make sure that that area isn't that active and therefore it doesn't grow that quickly. It still will be there eventually, but it slows down the um, the time that it's uh, developing. Another thing that I did, um, this took me so many years, and that's why I'm taking you with me, because I didn't want to touch this when I had my eating disorder, were the biggest stretch marks, actually I would say scars or gaps, that I had in between my inner thighs. And they're still there. When you have a half-blood skin, that skin doesn't heal quickly as people that are fully descent of a certain race. So if you are half-blood and listening to this, know that that can be the case when you have stretch marks. It can take longer time. I have them already now for five years and they're still not fully, um, uh, you know, pearl, amour color. They're still red. And at some point, I wanted to make the decision on, you know, am I going to get rid of them or not? Uh, I didn't want to give in to my eating disorder that, you know, that I hated it, that they were there. But, you know, frankly, the fact is that I did hate the fact that they were there because they remind me of the bad time that I had with my eating disorder. 
and how I was crying and how it was, you know, everything that comes with it. So I tried to find the midway and that midway looked somewhere like this. I waited one and a half up to two years after my, you know, that I was fully healed of my eating disorder to fix these uh, stretch marks. If I still didn't like them, I would fix them. I promised myself that. And two years went by and I still didn't like them and I wanted to fix them. But in these two years, stuff had changed. I went out in bikini with these marks, so, you know, I didn't give a fuck. I own up to them and I lived them and I wasn't afraid for them. So I found this healthy midway to only get, you know, the big scars away and let the little scars sit there and heal naturally on their own. And that is the plastic surgery I did basically. And it wasn't something that I wanted from childhood because frankly, I didn't know what stretch marks were when I was a child. I only discovered it when I got my eating disorder and this plastic surgery came out from my eating disorder. It wasn't something that I anticipated on uh, throughout years uh, that I was waiting on. So that is basically the plastic surgery that I had. And I do not regret it. And if you're now in the same situation that you want plastic surgery, but you feel it's a little bit double-faced because you're preaching mental health or stuff like that, Keep your own mental health in account next to the mental health of others. Because if you cannot help yourself, you cannot help others. And that's why I'm sharing this with you as well. I am advocating that people make a conscious decision for plastic surgery with a healthy mindset and a healthy state of mind when you're going to do that. And you've thought about it, you know, for quite some time before doing that. Because I really think that that's the most healthiest way. If I would have done that decision back in the day during my eating disorder, I wanted to get rid of all of them. And maybe even then I wasn't be, uh, wasn't even happy because of the perfectionism. And that's such an unhealthy mindset. So I've waited a few years and then I did it again. And now this is the outcome. And I'm actually more happy uh, than ever that I would, I personally would think before if I would have done it during my eating disorder. So... That is my story. Um, I hope it gives you a little bit of a perspective. Um, yeah, and that was season season three and episode 20, the last episode. So I hope you enjoyed. Uh, it has been a long one. And I hope to see you in the interval episodes. Have a nice week. Thank you for listening to the I'm Stuff podcast. If you would like to know more, you can go to imstuff.nl or to the Instagram imstuff underscore com and start working on your relationship with food today.